Hello, and welcome to the Eyes Amper podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is Ima Idomwani, Executive and Senior ESG Analyst at Franklin Mutual Advisors based in Short Hills, New Jersey. Today, Ima will share with us his outlook for ESG, including the greatest opportunities and challenges, how the firm integrates it, and more. Hi, Ima. Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Elena. It's wonderful to be here. Absolutely. So, Ima, tell us a little about how you got to where you are today and what you do at Franklin Mutual Advisors. Yeah, absolutely. I started my career on the fixed income side of the business at Alliance Bernstein. At AB, I had some early exposure to impact and sustainability by way of uh, a fund that eventually became their Muni Impact Fund. After some time, I got a great opportunity to work at Nippon Life Global Investors in Japan on the equity investing side, where we launched uh, two different strategies, uh, ESG equity investing strategy, as well as a sustainable development goals fund. After business school, shout out to Columbia Business School, I joined Franklin Mutual a little over a year ago to co-lead our efforts around ESG and sustainable investing. My role at FMA was newly created. Initially, it was one part quantitative integration from an investment process perspective, and then utilizing that to launch new investment strategies to be executed with a backbone of deep value equity investing. The role continues to expand given you know, a lot of new ESG regulation, and it seems to be getting more complex every month, frankly. So, Ima, given your focus on ESG, I wanted to start off by hearing what exactly is ESG investing and what is your outlook for this space? Yeah, the, the million dollar question. Well, the work I do involves working closely with my chief investment officer, head of research, increasingly our head of product to craft basically a top down investment philosophy around ESG investing while not deviating too materially from the deep value investment philosophy of the firm, just given the newness of many aspects of ESG today. More specifically, I think through the application of ESG principal adverse indicators, which are relatively new on portfolio construction, selection criteria for new investments, criteria for divestments, if at all. And increasingly, I'm spending much more time on understanding the different methods of carbon accounting on portfolio characteristics. I look at ESG investing really within the boundary of equity investing as a method of research that combines financial and non-financial information on a company to have a fuller picture of the operations and the competitive positioning of that company. In a sense, I think of ESG really as externality capture at the company level. I also believe ESG has an unstructured data problem from the perspective of like a public money manager. From a company perspective, the climate risks are so distributed across the system, it's historically been very hard for one specific company to have incentives to address a lot of these issues. But what's really happened over the last decade is that Technology has created an environment where anything can be measured, and social media has created a level of transparency that was unimaginable until more recently. And it makes it increasingly pertinent that companies really have to look at these risks as it's dangerous increasingly to not do so. In terms of outlook, I would say a few, a few big buckets. It seems like 
every country or jurisdiction is going about their own sustainability regulation. Uh, as a result, I think ESG is going to become very regionalized over time. I suspect that the ESG integration category or concept is going to fall by the wayside as we have more guardrails around what is an ESG fund or an impact fund or a climate fund specifically. I also believe carbon accounting will become very, very important over the next five years in a way that was unimaginable uh, previously. And I also think sustainability data over time will become very similar to financial data and released in a similar frequency. I think there are going to be a lot of variations in this space. And climate, for example, on its own is going to be a massive topic that, you know, specific funds will be on the market to address. So I hope I, I know I covered quite a few things, but I, I think just in a nutshell, I, I think it's going to be a space that has a lot of innovation and looks markedly different when you look five, 10 years out than it does today. Yeah, Ima, absolutely. So I wanted to ask you to take a deeper dive into ESG and what are some of the greatest opportunities you see and why? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of similar to, to some of the topics I just touched on, right? I think, I think the unstructured data challenge within ESG was really underappreciated until very recently. The core ideas of a lot of this stuff aren't new, but the methods are increasingly regulated and actually does leave room for innovation within the asset management industry in a way you can't find in many other areas of finance. I think carbon accounting will become very important as people start trying to allocate emissions to specific entities and specific companies. Again, the methods are new. They're not straightforward. There's a lot to address. But I think there's going to be quite a bit of stakeholder pressure to get this done in, in, in a pretty speedy fashion. I also believe the impact and outcomes category will eventually grow to be a pretty large space as people will look for impact strategies that have their values kind of baked into those things and has some kind of real world impact. And then the last thing I would say is there's going to be going to be a greater focus on adaptation. I don't think we're taking adaptation to a lot of these climate risks serious enough, but the conversations are starting to change, right? And I think as the trends continue to change, the conversations will continue to change. And you see that with something like water, which as a theme is going to become more and more important. And we're going to have to address some of the demand side issues of the equation because a lot of ESG today tends to really look at the supply side of things and not really the demand side of things. And I think that's going to change as more, more people, more sophisticated eyes come into the space. Oh, absolutely, Ima. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit and ask you, what are some of the greatest challenges you face in this space and why? Again, you know, although the ideas aren't new in the space, the packaging under the ESG umbrella term is relatively new for most people. It remains unfamiliar in the mainstream on the whole. That's changing over the last six months as it becomes more politicized. It also confuses investors, right? It, it's unregulated on the rate inside. And I think just generally people continue to talk past each other. If I were to put it into like three bullet points, some folks view ESG as a distraction and don't believe a lot of commitments are going to be met. Some folks don't believe it's measurable and the aggregate scores have little meaning. And others believe that there's no relationship to financial performance. I think the most interesting thing about all this, though, is that 
despite all these challenges, companies seem to be spending more, not less time and resources to a lot of these ESG endeavors. And so I think no matter your viewpoint, ESG considerations are becoming more, not less important in companies' decision makings as the real world impacts continue to escalate. And then I think the last thing I would say is, you know, the quality of ESG data and understanding the size of the market has been pretty difficult. The quality of data makes it very hard to like structure these products across different asset classes or even within equities. It's a very different ballgame within large cap versus like small or, or mid cap just because of the data quality. And I think, you know, there's just a lot of it's the first inning really is kind of how I look at it on a lot of these ESG trends. Um, and as more and more participants uh, get into the space, as more clients kind of demand products that have some of these traits, I would expect a lot of innovation in the space going forward. Very exciting, uh, everything that's going on. So Ima, I wanted to ask you more specifically, how does Franklin Mutual Advisors integrate it both at the macro level and via the fund level? Yeah, I think I'll talk about this more from like how do funds just generally should think about more integration. A lot of ESG fund selection today is based on a concept called single materiality. And the idea behind that is that the impact of a changing world on a company's profit and losses are most important, not the reverse. And I think that concept is really at the heart of a lot of the miscommunication with ESG is not really understanding that single or double materiality lens. I think over time, what's going to happen as well is the sustainability preferences of clients will become more important just given how bottoms up ESG has been from a driver's perspective. I think knowing the preferences of our clients will allow us to deliver solutions via SMAs that match preferences to a better degree than they do today. And I look at integration really at the fund level as a very systemic thing, right? So I think it, it affects strategy, it affects capital allocation. And over time, companies will be able to provide better data around this that allows us at the fund level to get a fuller picture of companies' activities and be able to structure better products that our clients are actually looking for. But ultimately, I don't think there's a right way to really integrate ESG is kind of what I'll say. I think what people are going to learn as they try to put out these strategies is that Whatever asset class specific strategy you're running within that determines kind of how you go about ESG and, and what aspects of it you decide to focus on. So again, I think just trying to integrate will lead to innovation that's tied to your core investment strategy. Emo, we've covered a tremendous amount of ground today, and I wanted to see if you have any final thoughts you would like to share with us. Yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say is, you know, there, as ESG becomes, you know, talked about a lot, politicized, et cetera, that's normal, right? I think it's, it's a lot of these concepts are new to the financial markets. There's going to be, you know, pushes and pulls as people figure out what this means for them and their strategy. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, ESG funds are simply products. They don't replace public regulation of private externalities. It's actually dependent on regulation for a lot of stuff to work over time. As a whole, I think we have a steep learning curve ahead with climate investing, with carbon accounting. We're really seeing a different way to analyze investments, and that's bringing in social and environmental externalities to our analysis. It's not a copy and paste or checkbox exercise. Investors, companies, regulators, even myself, we're, we're all on a learning curve, right? And I think one thing that really excites me about this space is 
I feel like I learn new things pretty much every month, whether by force or not, uh, just because it's just changing so much and there's so many things happening. And one of the jokes I make to myself is, I, I, you know, I think ESG is the fastest, slowest space out there because it seems like nothing is happening, but so much is happening simultaneously. But I guess I'll leave with, on a personal note, I really look forward to the next generation of investors whom I believe will have a more natural bias to this style of investing, just given their lived experience. So, you know, I think it's an exciting space and, you know, there's going to be more to come. And, you know, thank you so much for, for, for having me on your podcast and, and giving me the opportunity to share my perspective. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.